Amen. Let's put our hands together to praise the Lord this morning. Praise team, thank you so much for your for your leading us this morning. Well, over the last several weeks, we Hello, there we go. We good? Check one, check two. Looks like a microphone Sunday. How about that? You know, looks like a microphone Sunday. Over the last several weeks, we have been working through the book of Joshua as we have been talking about what God has done and how the Lord uh, did a great work in the book of Joshua. And, you've, and, and by the way, many of you all, you have, you have faithfully been here for all of the series, so I, we appreciate that. But as our church is in a time of transition, um, what a great book for us to remember, for us to learn, for us to know as the book of Joshua. Because God is leading uh, the people into the promised land, the people to, to take over the land and for God to do a great work. And as our church is pressing forward into, into new things and trying new things, we've been reminded that it is the Lord who guides us and leads us in all of our transitions. So we have had our memory verse that we've learned over the last, I think, eight weeks, okay? And I am sure you all don't need it on the screen this morning, right? Right, right? But because we're a place of grace, we're going to put it on the screen for you, okay? So let's put it up there. Over the last um, several weeks, we have talked about Joshua, and this has been our verse to kind of remind us and guide us. And So let's say this together, church, as our memory verse. Let's do the address first, the verse, and the address again. Are we ready? Let's try it again. Are we ready? There we go. Joshua 1, 9. Haven't I... Joshua 1, 9. Good job, church. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for the great promises, Lord, that you are with us. And Lord, we know that you are with us because of Jesus, because of... He shed blood for us on the cross, and Lord, for what he did for us, that we can be saved. And we praise you for that, Lord. And we ask you, Lord, today, God, as we have talked, Lord, for several weeks about transitions, Lord, going from point A to point B, and, and how the old is gone, but the new hasn't yet come, or, we're, or we've not adjusted to the new quite yet. We know, Lord, that you promise us, God, guidance, and you promise us strength and courage in a relationship with you. So, Lord, we thank you for that love and that goodness. And, Father, today we pray that you would, Lord, give us the spirit to keep moving, God. Lord, that we'll never think that we've arrived, Lord, but that we still have, Lord, work to do. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Take your Bibles, open to the book of Joshua, chapter 23 and 24. As you turn there, let me just give you a reminder about what we've learned over the last eight weeks about the book of Joshua. We know that Joshua and Caleb were part of the original generation that came out of Egypt. When Moses it led the Israelites out of Egypt, they crossed the Red Sea, they went into the wilderness, and, and Joshua and Caleb, they saw that mighty miracle, they saw that mighty power and how God did that. They were of the original 12 spies that went into the promised land. You remember that? And only Joshua and Caleb came back and said, what? 
We've got this. Through the power of God, we can do this. This can happen. The other 10 who must have been a committee of Southern Baptists, right, you know, because they naysayed the whole thing. They came back. They naysayed it. And they said, we can't do this. There's no way. There's no way we can take this land. And as a result of their negative report, it spread through the entire Israelite community. And God did not allow an entire generation to go into the promised land. They had to die in the wilderness 40 years in order for another generation to grow and emerge before they took the promised land. Only Joshua and Caleb, who had faith, were allowed to go into the promised land. So a whole generation dies in the wilderness. And then what happens? Joshua leads the Israelites into Canaan land, into the promised land. And just like the first generation, God parts a body of water for the new generation. And he parts what river? What is it, church? The Jordan River. And they walk across the Jordan River. And if you remember, after they crossed the Jordan River, God, well, before they crossed the Jordan, God told them that he was going to be strong and courageous. And we learned that God gives us strength and courage when we walk with him. Strength and courage comes from a close relationship. If you remember, we, after they crossed the Jordan River, we preached a whole sermon about circumcision. That was different, wasn't it, you know? But we learned that the Israelites renewed themselves to God. They, they, they renewed themselves to the, to the covenant. And we learned how in our transitions, when we're moving from point A to point B, we need an act of faith with God. We need to be renewed and recommitted to the Bible and to God's word and God's truth. And then when they, when they renewed themselves to God, the very first obstacle standing in their way was what? The city of... Jericho. And Jericho had big walls built around it. And, and that was the first obstacle that the children of Israel had to face. And then you remember what happened? God told them to take out Jericho in an unusual way. They were to march around the city one day uh, for seven days a week, for seven days, well, one, seven times around the city, one day for seven days. And on the seventh day, what were they going to do? March around it seven times, toot the horn, yell, and the walls came down. And we learned through that, that sermon that we will face gigantic obstacles, big obstacles in our walk with God. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, God can knock down any wall. Right, church? God can knock down any wall. We then learned that they were told when they were to destroy the city of Jericho, they weren't to touch anything. They weren't to take anything from the city. But there was a guy by the name of Achan, and he was aching for a hurting that day, you know, because he, he definitely took stuff that he wasn't supposed to. And then what happened? There was sin in the camp. And the next battle that Israel had to face was against podunk little Ai. And when they, when they did that, they got their tails whipped. They got beat at Ai. Why? Because God's hand came off of them because there was sin. And they had to reveal the sin. And Achan had to pay for his sin. And as a result of that, we learned that that, um, that when there is sin in our church, that God will not bless it. He will, he will not bless us when we're actively living in sin. And then we learned that there was a group of people in the promised land called the Gibeonites, and, and Israel was supposed to take them out too, but they, they were kind of tricky. Remember that? They disguised themselves. They made themselves look like foreigners from a distant, distant land, and they came, and they made a treaty with Joshua and Israel, and they kind of tricked Israel, and as a result of that, uh, Israel made a, a God covenant with a, with a group of the enemies, and they really made a mistake about that, and we learned how there are 
cult groups and false doctrines and false teachings that are trying to sway us from the task at hand. We learned about that. Then the very next week, we learned at how um, the five kings had a coalition and they attacked the Gibeonites and God had to send the Israelites in there to protect the Gibeonites, but it ended up being a good thing because if you remember, it allowed Israel to crush five kings in one setting and it took the, the southern kingdoms out. We learned that even though we mess up and we fail, praise God for grace in second and third and fourth and fifth chances. Amen, church. And how God did a great work and how they were able to take those southern kingdoms and then the northern kingdoms. And then last week we learned that the land had been conquered and it came time to divide out the country and they were going to divide it out by the different tribes of Israel. They were going to kind of get their own little counties, you know. They are going to have the county of Judah, the county of Dan, the county of Benjamin, and they were going to divide all that out. But before that ever happened, this 85-year-old senior citizen walks up to the plate and says, what? Now, wait a second. God promised me, because I was part of the original 12 that believed, the two of the two that believed to get some land, and he said, I'm going to go whoop some rear end at 85 years old, and we learned that God is never done with you until he's done with you. Amen? that we all have a plan and a purpose. So we have went through the book of Joshua. We've surveyed the book of Joshua. And now we come through to the very end where Joshua has divided the land out. There's still pockets of resistance that they're going to have to fight. There's still some of that. But Joshua is old. And Joshua is going to tell the children of Israel his last Testament. He's going to tell them his last will, his last desires. And we read the last words of Joshua before the book closes. And as I think about, as we read just here in a few moments, these last words of Joshua, you know, the word Joshua means salvation. And if you were to take the Greek version of Joshua, because Joshua is a Hebrew name, if you were to take the Greek version of Joshua, do you know what that name is by chance? Does anybody know? Is Jesus. Did you know that? It's Jesus. The Greek version of Joshua is Jesus. And I think about the name Jesus, and we know that he is our Savior, God who became flesh, who died on the cross, who was buried, who rose again on the third day to save us. And we know that when he rose, before he ascended into heaven, he gave us some last words. And many of you all, have you grown up knowing those last words and, and you know those and you've memorized those? We often call it what? The Great Commission. When Jesus gives us his marching orders. And as I think about the last words of Joshua, I think about Yeshua, Jesus. And I think about the Christ and what he told us before he ascended. He told us this, just listen. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And he says, go therefore and watch church and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And as you remember Joshua's last words today, I want the words of Jesus to just dig down deep in your soul. And as we teach through the last words of Joshua, I want you to just to remember the Great Commission like you never have before. 
And as we press forward, as we transition, here's the big idea. The Great Commission will always be there. It is, it is not over. We're, it's not over until every tribe and nation hears the voice of Jesus and God calls his church home. So here's the big idea. You ready? Throw it on the screen. By God's grace, I will keep on keeping on. For the Christian, there's no end. For the believer, there's no point to say that we've arrived. There's no point to say that we've got it. We must keep on keeping on until the whole world hears about Jesus. So let's look at these last words of Joshua in chapters 23 and chapter 4. First, as we teach through the text today, I want you to see this, that as we think about the Great Commission and going forward, and we think about the last words of Joshua, here's what we need to do first to keep on keeping on. We need to remember where we came from. I need to make the statement that I will remember where I came from. I need to remember my past. I need to think back to where I came from. Look at chapter 23, starting in verse 1. A long time after the Lord had given Israel rest from all the enemies around them, Joshua was old, advanced in age. So Joshua summoned all Israel, including its elders, leaders, judges, and officers, and he said to them, I'm old, advanced in age. And look specifically at verse 3. And you have seen, past tense, for yourselves everything the Lord your God did past tense, to all those nations on your account because it was the Lord your God who was fighting for you. Verse 4, see, I have allotted these remaining nations to you as an inheritance for your tribes, including all the nations I've destroyed from the Jordan westward to the Mediterranean Sea. The Lord your God will force them back on your account and drive them out before you so that you can take possession of their land as the Lord your God promised you. And doesn't this sound familiar? Be very strong and continue obeying all that's written in the book of the law of Moses so that you do not turn from it to the right or to the left and so that you do not associate with these nations remaining among you. Do not call on the names of their gods or make an oath to them. Do not serve them or bow and worship to them. Instead, very important, be loyal to the Lord your God as you have been to this day. As Joshua gathers the elders and the chiefs all together, he tells them, he says, guys, you've got to remember what God brought us through. He marched us through the promised land. We saw Jericho fall. We saw the sun stand still. We saw God do amazing miracles. Never forget that this land that you're in right now is because God's been good to us. The the land that you are living in right now is because God gave it to you. And he says, don't forget about that because there's still some other pockets of resistance that's got to go and, and you've got you've to count conquer them too. You're not quite done yet. You're in the land, you've got your area, but you've got a little bit more fighting to do. But here's the deal, I'm about to die. And you've got to remember where you came from. And you've also got to remember to be loyal to God right now. Remember your roots and remember who you are today. Remember this. I think to, to about us today. I think about the Great Commission and that we've got a challenge and a task ahead of us to preach the gospel and the good news. The best thing we can do is to remember where we came from. 
Friend, I hate to tell you this, but nobody today is going to heaven based on their church attendance, their service, anything else, no matter how good they think they are, because they're not. No one today is going to heaven because you're a member of some church. The only way any of us are going to make it to heaven today is only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Meaning what? That the blood that was shed for the vilest sinner also had to be shed for you as well. Not a single person here can be saved by their own merit. We are saved only by trusting in Jesus. We admit we're sinners. We believe that Christ died on the cross for our sins, and we choose to follow Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And like Paul said in Ephesians 2, he says, For it is by grace you've been saved. One reason that we keep on keeping on with the Great Commission is because we remember, just like Joshua told his people, remember what God did. Remember the goodness of grace that that when you realize your sins are forgiven. Remember the goodness of grace when you remember that he saved you just as you were. That he took you just right then without you having to get cleaned up. He took you right then. Think today about the promise of heaven. One reason that we have to keep moving and we can't give up on the Great Commission is this, is because somebody didn't give up on you. Somebody told you about Jesus. Somebody shared the gospel with you. And you're indebted to that person today who shared Jesus with you. So one reason that we keep on keeping on as a church is because we've pressed, we've discovered grace. We've discovered Jesus. We've tasted the goodness of God. So we press forward with the Great Commission. We'll tell everybody we can about the Savior that has saved us. So we got to remember where we came from. But second, we also have to remember who we are. So I will remember who I am. I got to remember where I came from, that I had to be saved by grace just like anybody else. And now I've got to remember who I am. Look at chapter 23, verse 13. Verse 13. Joshua tells the people this. The Lord has driven out great and powerful nations before you. Actually, go up to verse 10. Go go to verse 10. Go to verse 10. The Lord has driven out great and powerful nations before you, and no one is able to stand against you to this day. Now, look at this. One of you routed a thousand, verse 10, because the Lord your God was fighting for you, as he promised. He says, one of you guys had the grace of God on him so much that he was able to to whip a thousand people. Verse 11, so diligently watch yourselves. Love the Lord your God. He says, guys, look how God blessed you. Now do what? Watch yourself. Right now, watch yourself and love God. Because he tells us why, verse 12. If you ever turn away and become loyal to the rest of these nations remaining among you. And if you intermarry or associate with them and they with you. And by the way, he's talking about their, uh, the, that that would stray them from the gospel, that stray them from the truth and from what God was teaching them. Know for certain that the Lord your God will not continue to drive these nations out before you. They will become a snare and a trap for you, a sharp stick for your sides and thorn in your eyes. That sounds like fun, doesn't it, church? until you disappear from this good land the Lord your God has given you. I am now going the way of the whole earth, Joshua says. And you know with all your heart, all your soul, that none of the good promises the Lord your God made you has failed. Everything was fulfilled for you. 
Not one promise has failed. Since every good thing the Lord your God promised you has come about, so he will bring on you every bad thing until he has annihilated you from this good land the Lord your God has given you. Somebody look at Joshua and say, buzzkill. You know what I mean by that? I mean, it's going so good. And Joshua says, now guys, remember, God's been with you, so you gotta be loyal to the Lord. You gotta serve God. You gotta keep on keeping on. And then he says, but remember, If you ever turn away from God, God will take his hand off of you. He will not bless you. As a result of that, just like the nations that you whipped, other nations will come in and will whip you. And if you study Israelite history, that's exactly what happened. As they continue to transition, they go from the time period of Joshua leading them to a time period called the Judges. Then they go into the time of the kings. The kingdom is established in Israel, and they have a kind of a civil war, there's a split at least, and there's a north and a south. And the northern kingdom is so corrupt, so wicked. And you know what God God does? God sends the pagan nation of Assyria into the northern kingdom and wipes them out. Sends them all over, sends the Jews all over the world. The southern kingdom who had kind of like some ups and downs, but was still pretty down a lot. God sends the nation of who to get them? Does anybody remember? Babylon a pagan nation. And the Babylonians capture the Israelites. And you know what happens? They cart them off to Babylon for another slavery, just like in Egypt. So you know what happens? The promises was true. God would bless them, but the moment they started to walk away from God, he didn't bless them anymore. So they needed to recall who they were, that they were God's people, And they weren't to go away from God. They were to serve God and to love God, not to walk away from the Lord. There are many churches today all across the United States that were birthed with a passion for the Great Commission. They had a dream and a desire to win their neighborhoods to Christ, to win their cities for Christ. They had a a desire and a passion to see the gospel go forth. All churches start that way. At least they should. They should. Let me rephrase that. They should start with the desire to win the lost. But yet we see churches every year close their doors. Why? Because they forgot about what it's all about. They started focusing on the steeple or on the carpet or on this or that, and they lost sight of the Great Commission. And as a result of that, they are no longer winning people to Jesus. Friends, listen, I want to tell you something. I, I love what God has done in our church. I love what the Lord has done in our church. But if we ever lose sight of the Great Commission, God will not bless us. Do you hear me me on that? If we lose sight of outreach and evangelism, God will not bless that. If we become inward-focused, steeple-focused, as opposed to focusing on the Great Commission, we're in trouble. Never, ever forget that. So what do we need to remember? We need to remember who we are that we are missionaries. Now, you probably don't think like that too much. You think, no, a missionary is somebody that goes overseas, but but you're a missionary if you know Jesus. You are an ambassador on this earth for Christ. Wherever God's planted you, placed you, the neighborhood, the community, you are to shine for Jesus wherever you are. You have neighbors, friends, coworkers that are relying on you to tell them about Jesus. You're just passing through. 
this earth. That's all you're doing. And you need to tell as many people as you can about the gospel. So remember where you came from. You had to be saved. Second, remember who you are, that you are a missionary, that you are sharing Jesus, that you are telling others about Christ. And finally, I want you to see this. We need to remember where we're going. We need to never forget where we're going. Now, jump to chapter 24. Verse 29. Joshua delivers his famous farewell speech, his final words. And this is what the text records. After after these things, the Lord's servant, Joshua, son of Nun, died at the age of 110. Now, you might not think very much about that phrase. He's old, 110. Guess what? You are close to death at 110. Is that fair to say? All right, is that okay to say that? At 110, death's going to be calling for you, all right? Joshua dies at 110 years old. But notice what the Bible says about Joshua. What does the, what does the text call him? Joshua, the what? The Lord's servant. The only other time that's used in the book of Joshua, the term the Lord's servant, is in chapter 1 in reference to Moses and also Moses' death. And what does it say? The Moses, the Lord's servant. See, Joshua served God so well in his conquest that at his death, he was known as the Lord's servant. At his death... He was known as the Lord's servant. If you were to take a tombstone for Joshua, it would say, here lies Joshua, the what? The, the Lord's servant. That's what it would have said. He was known for serving God. And look what else it says in verse 30. They buried him. Good thing to do with dead people, right, church? They buried him. And there's a lot of territory. He got some land just like Caleb did in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. And look at this. Israel worshiped the Lord throughout Joshua's lifetime and during the lifetimes of the elders who outlived Joshua and who had experienced the works of the Lord had done for Israel. This is so neat. Don't don't pass this by. Joshua was able to lead the people in such a way that for his entire lifetime, the people followed who? The Lord. That entire generation was known for serving God. Now, if you read Israelite history prior to that, they're not always known for serving God. Is that fair to say? You ready for this? You read Israelite history after this generation. Guess what? They don't always serve God. The very next book, the book of Judges, is one of the darkest, goriest books in the whole Bible, and I'm going to preach through that as well. Are you excited, you know? Bloodshed, death, scandal, like beating people's brains in with spikes. It's got it all, all right? I'm excited, all right? It's coming. They get real dark real fast. But for Joshua's generation, they were known for what? Serving God. You know, I think about as a Christian, as a believer in Jesus, um, I'm only on this earth for a little bit. You know, a little bit. That's it. And God puts me around people 
all the time. I mean, he has blessed me with a wonderful church that I can teach and preach and disciple every Sunday, and I love that. My hope as a pastor is that I'm, that I'm playing a small role in helping produce people that love Jesus. That's my hope, at least, is that you maybe will love Jesus a little bit more today than you did yesterday. That's my hope when I preach. You just love Jesus a little bit more. That's my hope. I hope that the people that God put me next to, you know, my neighbors know about Jesus. Uh, people that I go into the stores that I shop at often know about Jesus. You know, we can't forget, guys, that we're not going to live here forever. Just a real short time for all of us. And while we're on this earth, if we don't live our lives for something bigger, we're going to waste it. We're going to waste our time on earth. And knowing where I came from, that God had to save me, knowing who I am now, that I'm experiencing God and he's in my life through grace, also knowing that one day I'm going to go to heaven. And church, let's talk about heaven for a second. Can we do that? Hey, it's going to be good. You know that, right? The Bible teaches us that heaven will, will have jewels and, and, and it will have jewels encrusted in the walls and there'll be streets of gold. You ever thought about this streets of gold thing? You ever thought about that? Like, why is it streets of gold? Because right now we walk on streets of concrete. You know, uh, when I proposed to Taryn, my in-laws are here today, and, and if I would have gave her a concrete engagement ring, I don't think Tracy Smith would have said, that's okay, all right? I don't think that would have happened. It had to be a diamond ring, right? So why, concrete is something we walk on. So why is it in heaven that the bricks are the jewels and the concrete's the gold? Maybe because the true treasure of heaven is not the gold and not the jewels, but is King Jesus Christ. And in the light of Jesus and in the glory of Jesus, everything else, gold is just like concrete. The jewels are just like bricks because Jesus is the extreme value of heaven. And you know what? If you've given your heart to Christ and you trust in Jesus and you've confessed your sins and you believe in Jesus, you know what? Heaven is home for you. And nobody can ever take that from you. You're not going to heaven because you're a church member. You're going to heaven because of the blood of Jesus. Because Christ is in your life. Because he saved you. You're born again. That's, where, that's what heaven is. But now here's a kicker. You ready? I hope and pray that you're in heaven one day because of Jesus. I do. But I want to ask you a serious question. Will anybody else be in heaven because of you? Will there be anybody else experiencing the glory of heaven because of your short little time on earth? See, Joshua knew he was going to die. He knew that. And he lived his life in such a way that he produced people that loved the Lord. So I ask you a question in light of the great commission of the last words of Jesus. Are you living your life in such a way that's making disciples of other people? 
Will anybody else be in heaven because of you? I hope so. Amen. I hope so. Now, if you know this book, and you also know the last two chapters that I kind of surveyed over real quick, I know what you're thinking. But Kenny, you left out one of the most important verses in the entire book of Joshua. Who thought that? All right, Karen's being honest, Miss Tamer's being honest. You left out one of the most powerful verses in the whole book. How dare you do that? That's like, a, that's like an oldie and a goldie. You know, how do you leave that out? Well, you know what? Let's do it now. How about that? It doesn't have a sermon point, but it's how I want to wrap the message up. If you look at 2415, one of the most famous verses in the whole Bible, and I want you to see this, Joshua in his farewell discourse telling the Israelites it's over. You know, it's time to transition. And, and remember, they had transitions, but more transitions was coming. I love what he said. But if it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, choose for yourselves today. Which will you worship? The gods your fathers worship beyond the Euphrates River or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living? And don't you love what Joshua says? And let's say it together. This is the CSB, so it says family instead of house. So if you grew up memorizing the house one, say family, all right? So let's do it. You ready? As for me and my family, we will worship the Lord. That was the promise. Joshua said, I can't determine what you do with your life. But for me and my life and my family, we will do what? Serve God. As all of us today are thinking about transitions, going from A to B, friends, when we get over to that building, you have to understand something. We have not arrived. We have not arrived. The Great Commission is still there. Lost people are still there. And what we need today is that we need, we've not arrived, we've not completed our task until everybody on Jackson Street knows Jesus until everybody on Hall Street knows Jesus, until everybody on Breckenridge knows Jesus. We've not completed our task until this neighborhood is known for Jesus. We must keep on keeping on. So the question that I leave with all of us today, will you and your family be a Great Commission family? Will you make the commitment today with your family, just like Joshua did, that you're all in for this thing called the Great Commission, that you're about winning your neighbors to Jesus, you're about missionaries, you're about supporting missionaries, you're about maybe answering the call to be a missionary, maybe going out to share the gospel, to plant a church, maybe God is calling you to, to share the gospel with that coworker, that loved one. Would you be willing to sacrifice time, money, and family for the cause of the gospel of Jesus? Would you be able to say, me and my family, I can't determine what you do with yours, but we're all in for this thing called the Great Commission. We're all in. I want to show you a family 
that was all in for the Great Commission. I want you to watch. When I first came, I thought it was capable for the task. There were so many different things that I had to die to and realize I have no power to do these things. I'm just asking God to do for them what I cannot do. Show yourself to your people. Show up. We wanted to go to where there was lostness, northern Mozambican coast. The centuries of Islam that were there, witchcraft. My first thought is, what have I done? How am I going to be affected? This is the beginning of a battle. We came in 2004. With my one-year-old firstborn. All of our kids come and minister together with us. Children open the door to build those relationships with the women, how to share their faith, how to reach out to their families, where it was much more close to the gospel. But there is a sacrifice involved. Witchcraft in this culture is what sustains their life. Who you marry, your health, whether or not you catch fish. Infant mortality rate is high. They live in fear of something happening to their children. When people come to Christ, for them it is a life and death decision. Is this worth my life? Adelina was a very well-known wish doctor. After about a year and a half, we're getting ready to pray, and Adelina just says, I want to get rid of my witchcraft and take down the witch doctor hut. So Sunday afternoon, after church, when that wall fell down, it was just a complete release to God. I no longer need to be afraid of these things. Our work in the local village has spread across the bay through the influence of, of family members. They had made professions of faith. We're starting to see national believers go out as missionaries through persecution, through hard times. God has galvanized their faith far beyond anything that I could teach. Be still and know that I'm God. Adelina starts telling her story about how she has new life in Christ. God has been faithful to show himself in ways that I never would have expected him to show himself. It's only the work of the Holy Spirit. That tide is turning and momentum is building that God's kingdom is coming to this coastline. And I believe God's kingdom can come to this neighborhood, church. But the task is in front of us. The challenge is in front of us. And what we need today is a church that's committed to the Great Commission. That if God called you to be a missionary, you would answer the call. You would go wherever it is the Lord tells you to go. New York City, Mozambique, who cares? But that you would do it. You would answer the call to go to that neighbor, to that person that needs Jesus. That family made the decision, they will serve the Lord. And that's what they're doing. Can you today make the decision that you and your family will be a Great Commission 
family. A great commission family. If you don't know Jesus today, the reason we get so excited about talking about missions is because we believe Jesus saves people and he gives grace. If you don't know Jesus today, how you need to surrender your life to Jesus at the foot of the cross and, and accept him as your savior. Here in a moment, we're going to have prayer. If you need to give your life to Jesus for the very first time, I want you to come and say, Pastor, I need Christ. I need to be saved. For the other families in this room today, especially if you're with a family, how I pray that you would come together as a family this morning at the altar or wherever and just make a commitment that you will support missions and that you will be a missionary wherever it is God sends you, that you would love missions. I would challenge you if you're with your family to do that today. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for Jesus. Lord, in this time now, we ask you to stir our hearts. Father, for the cause of the gospel, knowing that Jesus came and he died for us on the cross so that we could be saved. Lord, today we just want to, Lord, be a people that care about missions. We need to remember who we are, where we came from, and where we're going. Lord God, if somebody didn't tell us, we wouldn't have known about Jesus. So God, today stir within us a passion for the Great Commission. Lord Jesus, I pray that families today would be at the altar together just being all in, all in for evangelism, all in for missions, all in for supporting missions, all in, like Joshua said, as for me and my family, will serve the Lord. As for me and my family, God, I want us to go to the nations. I want us to go to the nations and make disciples, God. So Lord, I pray this, that your spirit would wake us up to the Great Commission. We pray in your name. Amen. Let's stand. If you need prayer this morning, let us come and pray over you. We would love to pray over you this morning. Would you come today? Families, why don't y'all gather together, families, and just come making a commitment to be a great commission family.